just had a text in there about the last song we just played, which was the Dolly Parton and Debbie Harry duet, Heart of Glass. Ah, Brendan, what was that? Says a texter. Hashtag justice for Blondie. Okay, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone for sure. Now, my guests this morning join me from Dunmanway in West Cork and they put together an incredible exhibition, 300 Years of the Wedding Dress. Good morning, Michelle O'Mahony and Gwen McQuirk. How are you? Good, Good morning, morning. Thank Hi. you for having us on. From oh, lovely th- cold Dunmanway this morning. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Well, it's not so warm up here either, let me tell you. How are you doing? We're good. Thank you very Thank much. You. Great, great. Yeah, Thank thanks. you so much for taking the call. Okay, this project is a great meeting of minds. Um, so, first of all, how did you meet? Well, I suppose well, I started, uh, myself uh, <laughs> and Gwyneth at the, at the Dunmanway Historical Association. We were at a meeting to discuss how the future of the Manway Historical Association would go forward and how we could come up with some fundraising ideas. And Gwen mentioned she had a private collection of dresses and we linked that with the fact that the Manway Historical Association had compiled before COVID two booklets of old black and white photographs to do with weddings. And we sold them in the local community as wedding pictorials. So we decided we'd link both and we came up with the idea of three centuries of wedding dresses, the dress. And we it's basically a case of a meeting of minds. The historian with a passion for history and fashion with the couturier and costumier Gwen. Yeah, so that's what's kind of really interesting. It's really authentic, which is the word du jour from America, in that you're a historian, Michelle, and you're a costume yes. designer. So this is this is the real deal. We know this, we're going to get re- like a real insight into the history of, of weddings. Yes. Well, Um, definitely, I think I'm approaching it from the point of view of how history can be read through a dress. The way we wed, the way we were, how would you read a dress? What does that tell us about society? Um, And the wedding dress is a great communicator of fashion trends. It's a great community of uh, communicator of society, society's norms, what people perceived at the time, viewpoints they held. And it's also a great insight into class structure. You know, the difference between the wedding dress of the rich and famous to how that influenced the wedding dress of the ordinary person. Um, the various textiles that were used. And Gwen will be able to take you through all the everything from bare bosoms to Raising hemlines. <laughs> I Steady can talk now. about the society in the background. <laughs> now, listen, uh, I have to get this mention in for sure. You are Dunmanway, and many people will know this. I didn't know this. Uh, home or birthplace of the Sam Maguire. Yes, Dunmanway is the hometown of Sam Maguire. And I suppose, Brendan, one of the things that Dunmanway likes is that we don't mind sharing the cup around <laughs> the country. Good for you. Um, because we have Sam the Man, um, and it's the hometown of Sam Maguire, which a lot of people don't realise. No, it's amazing. And so that probably, does that fuel a little bit, add sort of, uh, I suppose, fuel to the flame of the historical association of Dunmanway that sort of pushes you along? Yes, it yeah, does, yeah. it does. Um, we've, we've got um, a Sam Maguire trail, we've got walking, a walking tour, um, for people who like going out in the countryside because Sam Maguire's home place is in the countryside in a place called Malabreca and there's some lovely walks up through the woods and up through the mountains that way. So it adds a whole other dimension outside of the, the what we would remember Sam Maguire for with the GAA and the trophy. It brings a whole element of tourism into the area as well which is very good for the area. And that's what I suppose I'm going, going to full circle before we dive into the dresses because this exhibition is a fundraiser for the Historical Association of the Manway. Is that right? Yes, yes, it's a fundraiser, so all the proceeds from the event will be going to the Manway Historical Association to make sure that we can continue, they can continue to have a presence in the town as they act almost like the one-stop um, 
tourist information point in the town as well. And they do dig deep into the various characters of the town and Sam Maguire being one of them. Brilliant. So it's everything and all the proceeds will go Brilliant. to the Historical Association. Both myself and Gwen have given our time free in organising the event. Well done. Uh, so Gwen, you collect wedding dresses. I'm just going to jump straight yes, in there. Yes, I do. Go on. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think um, I'm originally from Dublin, so I moved to West Cork um, about a year, over a year ago. My mum is from Kinsale, yes. Um, I live a little bit outside the Manway, but my mum is from Kinsale, so um, my grandmother was a dressmaker. So I just grew up um, listening to all these stories about dresses, and my mum tells these amazing stories too, about things were made. And then my mum talks about her wedding dress, and uh, so I, I feel I'm back to my roots now. But yeah. um, I went, I studied fashion design um, at NCAD. And then while I was there, there was a competition for wedding dress of the year. And that was on the late, late show a long time ago. Wow. Um, that was when Gay, when Gay Byrne um, hosted it. Yeah. And um, then people started to ring the college and then I started to make these dresses. And um, so, but I left Ireland quite young. Um, I went to Italy and I worked in fashion there. Great. And then I moved to Verona and then I started working in costume there. But I've always been a collector of lace. But I started to seriously collect about 2015. And then I did a fashion shoot with um, a photographer, friend of mine. And we did in a beautiful hotel in Innsbruck in Austria. And tell me this, how many wedding dresses do you Mm -hmm. have in your collection now? I think we're going to be showing about 20. Yeah. yeah. I still have, because I restore them. So I've Amazing. restored about those. And uh, the oldest one we have. Yeah, go ahead. So, no, but I remember, so I don't know if we're a similar age, but in the 80s, my mother made both my sister's wedding dresses. My grandmother made the bridesmaids dresses. So part of our culture as a family was going to buy the pattern, going to buy the fabric. I remember one year yes. the fabric was stolen out of the back of the car. I remember there was drama in the house. But the whole, <laughs> the, the front room or the parlour in my grandmother's and my mother's then would be completely taken over with patterns and cutting because they're huge dresses as well. So it's very much part yes. of our culture, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's, we're losing all those skills, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have lovely memories and obviously that's how you got into fashion design, yeah, you know, it's all input. And um, yeah, and I, yeah, I always remember my grandmother had this old, you know, 1920s machine. Yeah. And the same old machine. Yeah. Here it goes. Amazing. Well, the dress, the dress I have actually was pre, it's all, the oldest one, the one that's 1860, is all handmade. Of like course it would no, be, yeah. It's, so it's before, because the, the machine was invented in 1951, uh, but it really became common in 1865. That's why you have all the, the big dress dresses. But yeah, the 80s people had, uh, we call them a rang dress. Yeah. So we have a couple of those as well. On Amazing. So, okay, so uh, what, Tell us, okay, tell us, let's go back now. You have dresses, your oldest dresses from 1860. What's it like? Yeah. It's, um, I got it in, from a dealer in in England. It was from the um, Costume Society. So this lady had this dress. We couldn't date it because the, the, the fabric is so, like, it's like a muslin. It's, it's so delicate, like a cobweb. Really? And, um, yeah. 
And so I've taken it apart only recently because I really, literally bought it in 2018. The lady gave it to me to restore because she couldn't sell it because it had been damaged. And I'm taking it apart and I'm seeing the work of these two, two seamstresses. Like the really old one, every single one is just... Um, Stunning. Stitched lace made by hand. So it's just like a muslin. I even thought the fabric, we thought the fabric was older. I couldn't even gone back even before 1840. Because wow. people, you know, people... Reused, of course. things away. Yeah. Yes, of course. Cause, and, um, and so we, I dated it about 1860 because it's not quite the crinoline style. It's quite flat in the front and then it pulls on the floor at the back. And so that would have been just before the development of the bustle. The back of the dress got bigger and bigger and bigger and then you get the, you know, the big bustle area where... Um, would you, you call that? So would you call that 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 would be Edwardian the bustle? No, the, earlier, earlier, yeah. Okay. Queen Victoria died in nineteen hundred and one, so that would be still that era. And would anybody and even wear a Edwardian. bustle now? Do you think? <laughs> I think it'd be fab, <laughs> wouldn't know. it? What did <laughs> just tell me, so socially, um, Michelle? What did the bustle tell us about uh, women's rights or, or where we were as a society then? What do those dresses well, I, explain? I suppose I can take it back a little bit even before the bustle. So in the 17th century um, and the early 18th century and a little bit into the 19th century, um, w- the bustle were traditionally associated with the back. There was actually a pannier which would have been at the side on the hips so it almost was like two saddlebags on your hips. So if you can imagine the traditional bustle, only one on each side. So it really made the skirt look maybe three, four foot wide. Oh, yes. And you would have a flat panel in the front then that it would just drape straight down to the floor. So I kind of, back. in my head, I have, I have Marie Antoinette in my head, right? In my, exactly. Yeah. So you're thinking that era, that Brock. And what that basically told people was, look at the front panel of my dress. I have this great big wide frame and the more luxurious the fabric, the richer you were. Wow. So it was your, your way of displaying to the world how rich you were hmm. with the embroidery, with the filigree, with the detailing. And it also then I discovered recently, it was something I never really thought of, was how that affected social etiquette. Because oh, yeah. if you can imagine the width of that dress, it yeah. could have been three, four foot wide, a Marie Antoinette dress. When you went to a ball and you had to sit down, how did you sit down with the width of it? Yeah. So I was speaking to an etiquette specialist who's actually coming and giving a talk on Saturday Fantastic. to us at the event. And she explains that the wider the dress meant the wider the place settings. So they had to think very carefully about where they would position a woman at the dining table because her place setting had to be much wider to allow room for the dress because otherwise whoever was sitting next to her was going to be elbowed and hit with the side hoops. <laughs> Gradually then the panniers moved away and then we went to the bustle. And gradually then, as you move into the Edwardian era in the early 1900s with the death of Queen Victoria, you have the suffragette movement and you have more female emancipation. So as women emancipated and got the vote and the suffragette movement, and we got our voice, so to speak, so too did the restrictions of panniers and bustles and cages and all these petticoats, they all sort of gradually dissipated into the more fluid styles of the Edwardian era. So again, all the restrictions, if you could think of restrictions wow. on female in society, yeah. all of that progressed with fashion to a certain extent. You can, you can follow trends and you can follow yeah. society. It's almost like reading a dress is how I say it to people. If you read the dress yeah. and you know what you're looking for with a trained eye, you can really trace yeah. society 
you know, as, and as, as li- sexual liberation occurred in the 60s, hem lengths went up, you know, all that kind of oh, stuff. They did. Yeah, yes. oh, it's amazing, isn't it? But this jumped out at me and I like to think I know my bits and bobs, but I did not know this. Queen Victoria set the trend for the white wedding dress and it was not yes. really anything to yes. do with whether or not you were a virgin, which was what we believed growing up, right? It, mm-hmm. it wasn't about that. Tell me about that. So I suppose, right. can if I Tim? Yeah, go on. Gwen, you what, jump in there. Oh, can I jump in? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, we're all so, just so excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Yeah, thank you. No, but um, yeah, it really was because before the Queen Victoria, people did not get married in white if they were noble or royal. They wore gold and silver. And um, and I'm fascinated by that. Just on up, that, yeah. what kind of gold and silver? Where did you get gold and silver fabrics back then? It wasn't fabric. It was they embroidered wow. like velvet and silk. They embroidered it, and it, and the guys were just as decorative as the girls. You know, the, um, they were just showing off power and wealth. Yes. And so Queen Victoria was already queen. She married for love. She didn't have to, you know, dress to show off that. And, and obviously, so she's, she, she's famously she, the richest woman in the land, so she doesn't need to show her wealth. Yes, right. So she doesn't have to. Yeah. And so. She just chose a, a design of the day, which was like a, a, a white dress, a ball gown, you know, 1840s style. And then that start, started the trend. And then the other trend was that she used only English silk and English lace, which was Honiton lace from Devon. And then that started a whole thing of lace making, which also filtered into Ireland. And that's how all the wonderful lace schools started. My grandmother was a lace maker. So it, she started that whole thing. I mean, they would have worn white dresses, but probably white dresses were worn by like debutants being presented at court. If you've seen Bridgerton, you know, those, they would, uh, it was for young girls. They might have worn uh, red even, or they might have worn, I think in the 18th century, they might have worn pink for younger girls or blue. Yes. But the white dresses just continued until... Yeah, still today, we still want it. <laughs> and then as we move, we, let's flick forward in, in history. You have a wedding dress from 1934. So just be f- just in between the two world wars. And it's very glamorous because people, mm. this is a kind of a, I, I, I read of this recently of people in the 30s were starting to see Hollywood and be inspired by it. Yes, I have a dress that's 1934 and it's, um, I got it from America, but it's, it's a synthetic. Now, not synthetic, what we think today was the early synthetic, which was rayon. So it was a rayon satin. So people were going to the cinema, also in Ireland, and looking at these dresses, very finger-hugging, with a very long train, and um, and they wanted to copy that. So they got went to their local dressmaker, or they bought things off the peg. Um, so they would have looked at, you know, gone to the cinema, and uh, there's a lot of examples of wedding dresses, you know, from the 1930s films. Yeah. And that would, they, it was Hollywood set the trend in fashion. It wasn't being inspired by royalty or. Um, Not until we got to Diana, but yeah. that, that's a whole other conversation. But just before we skip that far <laughs> forward, Michelle, the world, so then all of a sudden we have World War II and, and we have rationing and we have no fabric. So what did people do for wedding dresses then? Well, what people did back then was they went to their local tailor and dressmaker and they decided they would get a suit. So I know with my own grandmother, she explained to me that during the the late 1930s, early 1940s, people would get a tweed suit and it would be their best Sunday best suit. 
and they would use that for their wedding and then it would be used for christening subsequent weddings, um, their Sunday best suit. Um, and they, they would manage it from that or they would repurpose suits and clothing that they already had. I know my grandmother as well used to do a little bit of alterations on the side um, in the 1940s during the time of the rations. And she would tell me that she would often get um, suits in from people, the skirt of one, the jacket of another, and she would just have to alter them together. So they, they were inventive and they were creative, but it tended to be, in Ireland at the time, it was more of a suit that they would use. They called it a costume, right didn't they? Pardon? It was called a costume. Yes, they had their costume and it was their Sunday best and it came out for Christmas, Easter, yeah. family christenings and other family weddings. There was no such thing as I've been seen in that outfit before when you went to a local <laughs> wedding. But weddings during the 1930s were a quieter affair in Ireland at the time. I remember my dad had one, good, uh, my granddad had a good suit and so it was, such, it was so rarely used. My grandmother used to save money in the inside pocket of it. <laughs> And there's a story about somebody finding the money, but that's for another day's work. Um, then uh, as we we move up into Grace Kelly's iconic 1956 wedding dress, and we touched on it there, the influence of um, Hollywood. And it, then it kind of, all, all bets are off then really, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, can I come in on that one? Yeah, go on. Because I have a dress. Yeah. I have a dress that's 1956 and that, was that style and that she started and then brought back the lace. Describe that style just so people will know what you mean. So when um, Grace actually wasn't made by a French designer, it was actually a Hollywood costume designer called, um, who did all her costumes. And they actually sponsored the dress because they wanted like full coverage of the event. Yeah, Yeah, and publicity. And so, um, yeah, so I I actually worked on a shoot with a dress that was similar and we're going to show it in the Dunmanway exhibition. So I loved it because... um, we the location was in a hotel that kind of looked like the you know Monaco Palace and the model looked like Grace Kelly you know at the window and the dress, and the, the dress is, is is sleeveless isn't it with a very 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 full length floor length skirt full she, no she wasn't sleeveless people covered their arms oh. right up to yeah yeah if you went to church so she had complete like um, lace. Uh, really covered up, very much influenced. You can see Kate Middleton's dress right. um, in 2011 and you can see the influence of that. And she brought back lace again and the covered up dress, you know, covering the sleeves again because we just, I think maybe in the the 2000s and 90s, the dresses just kept getting lower and lower. <laughs> yeah. But now, you know, anything goes. People can pick a themed wedding, they can pick the 30s, they can pick the 50s. They can pick do you have, a, as a designer and a costumier, Gwen, do you have a favourite? Yes, I'm, I would have said the 50s one because of the fashion shoot and working with this photographer. But now I've restored this 1860s dress and just taking it apart and saying, oh, my Lord, here are my hands, a woman's hands, 180 years ago. Wow, that's um, amazing, isn't it? Doing the same thing. And that's very, yeah, I think that's really that. I think that's my favourite and I think that'll be the star of the show for me anyway. But there's wonderful things to see. Uh, yeah, it was 180 well, years old. It was just amazing. Michelle, do you have a favourite dress? Um, I, th- I think so, yes. The, the one that... Um, I love all of Gwyn's in the collection, but yesterday I had to collect one from um, a local person oh, whose mother, um, her photograph was on this pictorial history of Domanway and it is the prettiest, most ornate. It's a mini dress. 
wow. from about 1965-66 yeah. and it is just the cutest thing ever and when I picked it up yesterday and looked at it and the amount of intricate embroidery and lace on it um, I think that's actually my favourite it's something completely different to the others um, it's just a short sort of skater dress but it's, it's just so dainty and so nice I think that's actually my favourite Did she wear a little pillar box hat? In the picture, um, can you no, remember? No, she did. She didn't wear a pillar box hat with it. But we do have another dress from another lady yeah. locally donated, and it's almost like a Princess Diana style hat from the late nineteen seventies, right. with a lovely lace slip dress as well. So I remember them well. Remember the Diana hats with the wedding dresses, the white hats. <laughs> yes, the, the ones with the lace in the front and the little bow with the lace at the back. It's one of those little ones. When we may giggle, but they'll be back. <laughs> they always do, don't they? <laughs> but look, it's an, it sounds incredible. It really does. I mean, I, 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 you've got me right in my sweet spot here talking about history and, and frocks, particularly these ornate, you know, pieces of art really, aren't they? Yes, yes I, I think, think they're, so. They're a combination yeah. of art and art and history. Yes, yeah, and I tell you, I mean, I'm talking to the real deal. I mean, this is what I have here now, history and the costumier. So you really, it, it, will you be at the exhibition at the weekend? Can people meet you there? Oh, yes, we're, we're definitely going to be there. I know Gwyn, Gwyn is going to give a presentation on each of the three days. Oh, I'll be there as well to talk people through with any queries they have. And then yeah. we also have on Saturday, we have a little bit of a Downton Abbey experience with an etiquette specialist telling us all about how the Victorians would have dined at a wedding right up to the Edwardian era, up to the 1940s or thereabouts. And we also have a, uh, a local influencer makeup artist called Samantha coming to take people through cosmetics and makeup. And Brilliant. that's going to be a, a really nice little talk. So it's a fundraising event. Sunday, Friday. It's, it's a fundraising event for Dunmanway Historical Association and Michelle O'Mahony, uh, historian and consultant and Gwen McGuire couturier and costumier. Um, it's on, it's three centuries of weddings on in Dunmanway this Friday the 1st, right the way through till Sunday 5pm. And um, uh, tickets, where can people get tickets by the way quickly? Tickets are available at the door. So as you as you come in, tickets are Gorgeous. five euro each at the door. That was a really wonderful conversation. Have a great weekend. I hope it's a huge success. Thanks a million. Let's take a break. 